0: clutch athletics and rich paul the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community with rising defensive football stars will anderson and chase young on the roster clutch athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com to the house, touchdown.
1: this is
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. We've got Rusty Mansell, Dogs 247, coming up in a little bit. The real story behind the Georgia quarterback room. Uh, Everybody wants to know what's happening, what's been happening in that quarterback room, and what to expect from that uh, game coming up against Auburn as well as the SEC as a whole. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, But we begin with a headline stemming from that. And so JT Daniels is cleared. JT Daniels is somebody who, you know, Tom, you've been very, very bullish on him ever since the transfer. You know, you, Mm -hmm. you had that, uh, I don't know if Jamie Newman's going to be all that, you know, you had that sort of cornered early and JT Daniels comes in. So now that he's been medically cleared, you know, what's your expectation in terms of, uh, his, what he could mean for this Georgia offense.
2: Well, I think that he's certainly, based on what we saw against Arkansas, he's almost certainly going to be an upgrade on what we have in the quarterback room already with DeJuan Mathis starting in that game. And just, I mean... I don't want to hold that against Mathis as a career or as a quarterback because, again, he's he's a kid. It's his very first start. It was against an SEC opponent, and you think of how things normally go. You're usually playing a non-conference game to start a season, and you normally have a full spring and all that kind of stuff to get ready. So it's nothing against him. It's just he's clear it's that he's not ready for this role right now, not for a team that's bringing in a new offense and wants to be you know, competing for an SEC title and a national championship. And then Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback, but it's kind of like the situation we saw with a lot of teams where he's good enough to help you win your conference maybe, but he's not good enough to win a national title. We've seen in recent years that unless you have a top-of-the-line QB, it is really difficult to win the national title, and that's George's goal. So that's where JT Daniels comes in, because we haven't seen a ton of him, because he played in 2018, and as a freshman, he completed about 60% of his passes. He had 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Typical kind of freshman performance, but then they brought in the new offense at USC, an air raid offense, which isn't the same thing as what Todd Munkin's going to be running at Georgia, but it does have a lot of the same kind of principles. And he won the competition, the quarterback competition at USC over Kadon Slovis, started the season as the quarterback, suffered the knee injury, was out for the year. Kadon Slovis takes in, and we saw how Slovis performed in that offense. So if he was able to beat Slovis in camp, and Slovis played that well, It's, you know, somewhat safe to assume that, hey, he's pretty good too. He was a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. He was, you know, he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got everything. He's got kind of a weird villainy-looking mustache, which could be kind of, you know, (laughs) I don't know what that, I don't know how we want to look at that going forward, but I think that if you look at the quarterback room and you just stand, you know, JT Daniels next to Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis, and you tell somebody who doesn't really watch football to pick out the quarterback of the three, they're all going to point at JT Daniels. And I think that that's going to be important. And I think he's an upgrade and that's going to help the Georgia offense, which as we saw could use a little help. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll
3: save, I'll save the, most of the JT Daniels talk for rusty. Cause he touched on it a little bit, but um, I don't know. It's, it, I think the key for, for JT Daniels is, is just being comfortable with his health being, you know, being, um, having that out of his mind that, uh, you know, no distraction in terms of, of, um, favoring his knee or anything like that. And if he's, if he's sort of fully comfortable with his health, if he's fully comfortable with his mobility and, and, um, I don't even know if it's his drive leg or his plant leg or what it is, but, um, that's that's the key. I think if that's all all clear, then I would expect JT to be a pretty significant upgrade.
0: So uh, number one, the mustache is called intangibles and it is a benefit. <laughs> we, we absolutely uh, consider that to be a deal breaker and uh, a tiebreaker whenever we're going through our quarterback ratings, which speaking of Barton uh, opened himself up to or yes, he has opened himself up to all of the, the the criticism. He's opened himself. I mean, he's he's no stranger to this. You know, you unveil a new set of twenty four seven sports rankings, and you've got to draw your sword and get ready for the the anger and the just just the the. F- Fire that comes from these fan bases as their commits move up and down in the rankings. But he's got some SEC quarterback power rankings based on week one performance. Now, I'm not going to uh, spoil, we're not going to just roll through the entire rankings. But I did see that Stetson Bennett, the fourth OI 7 of 18, pledge class president, is, you know, right at above average, checking in at number six. So for you know, think with the idea of JT Daniels being cleared with Dewan Mathis, maybe potentially getting an, another opportunity uh, to go out there after taking some hits and learning a little bit in his first game, you know, do you think that is, is unnamed Georgia quarterback probably going to be like a top half? Is it seven or six, just a spot that's reserved right now for a Georgia quarterback, you think, or do you, is there a, a higher ceiling out there? And I ask that Knowing that the the names at the top, you know your KJ Costellos, your Kyle Trask, your Mac Jones, like it's a it's tough to crack that ceiling. You know what's what the, is it? Where's the Georgia quarterback fit in the power ranking of the SEC quarterbacks?
3: To to this point, I'm not sure Kirby Smart like the per, what Kirby Smart wants out of his quarterback is to land in the six to eight range in the SEC. <laughs> you know, like if he's got a great one you know, maybe he can sneak out to like four, but man, if you're taking enough chances, if you're being dynamic enough to be one or two, that ain't the guy for me. You know, if you are the bottom half of the, of the, the rankings, if you're 10, 11, 12, you're turning the ball over too much. That ain't the guy for me. If you are Stetson Bennett and you come in there and you complete a bunch of 12 yard outs and you, you know, you're, you're, you don't turn the ball over and you're, you're, you you hand the ball off really well and you <laughs> win the game you you know what that's the thing for me because the the i mean ultimately one of the de, sort of delineations in the rankings after the week one is you know, who took care of the football i mean because outside of the top three or four there's a it's a flawed group no none of them are none of them are perfect but you know bo nicks his game wasn't off the charts, but he threw three touchdowns and no interceptions. You know, he didn't make any big mistakes. He kept, he gave Auburn a chance throughout, and that the defense, you know, gave them the ball enough times to, to make a difference. And he, you know, he got the ball in the hands of his playmakers like Seth Williams. And so uh, that's, and the SEC, especially this year with a lot of, of quarterback sort of um, jostling there in, in that sort of middle tier. Um, that's, that's kind of all you need and that's all Georgia seems to really want. Uh, I don't know if that's all Georgia wants because I guess they did go for the, the they, they took it a swing. you know they took a home run cut with Dwan Mathis and you know it was a whiff in week one maybe it, maybe it does not look like a whiff later in the season, but Stetson Bennett, just get out there and, and you know what figure out a way to hit where they're not get a single out of this guy and, and let the defense do the rest. Uh, and I think I think Kirby Smart is very comfortable. With that sort of a uh, uh, that, that sort of a profile,
2: so like seriously, how hard was it though after the top three? It was impossible. <laughs> it
3: was impossible. I mean, it was. I tell you what, um, Matt Corral was a was a, a more clear number four than I sort. of – I mean, I guess I should have realized that, but I guess you don't. Corral's the fourth best quarterback coming into the season, but you know his his day against Florida. I mean. Even from a you know, analytical standpoint, from all the the advanced stats and net metrics, like he he had a great day. Now a lot of that was garbage time fourth quarter stuff, but he had a you know, he had a really good day. And I I I do wonder kind of how that looks uh, moving forward. I I felt pretty comfortable with the top five in the order, but after Knicks, it really was um, you know, it's just I I don't know I don't know how you you really definitively evaluate these guys. You know, Sean Robinson completed like 76% 76% mm-hmm. of his passes. Um, and so, but a lot of that was, you know, garbage time. And a lot of yeah. that was first quarter, nothing completions. And so um, it's, uh, and, and hey, I had Ken Seals. Your guy. Really, my guy, <laughs> really low. Um, but I mean, Ken Seals, I thought was just, you know, he just gives Vanderbilt a chance in a way that I didn't know that necessarily he would. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm I'm gonna like trade Kellen Mond for Ken Seals, or I'm gonna trade Miles Brennan for Ken Seals, or you know those guys. They all have different challenges, um, and so it's I think it's gonna take a while this season for it to for the pecking order to really sort itself out. So
2: oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the one thing that stood out to me though, because like you mentioned, Bo Nix, and he's looking better, and it's like when you looked at the completion percentage, it's like come on, get that thing over sixty percent. It's yep. like I'd like to see that going forward, but. The one thing that really stands out to me is, you know, and it's again, it's only one game, but last year he completed, you know, 58% of his passes. But more than anything, they were short passes, which is why it was like the completion percentage was so crazy because he was averaging only 6.7 yards per attempt. And you're like, my God, if you can't throw short passes, what's going to happen when they need you to make, you know, the big boy throws? Well, he only completed just under 60% against Kentucky, but it was his yards per attempt that climbed to 8.6, which is a full yard and a half higher than it was last year, nearly two yards more than it was last year. So for me, I think that's an encouraging. Signed for him in that Chad Morris offense. So that's the one thing that stood out to me.
0: Who from that uh, some of that bottom half group because this was again just so the fans know as before they get too fired up clicking on the link um, it it's just we're just grading on one game. Just, yeah. just grading on mm-hmm. week one. This is not an overarching power ranking. Who do you expect to bounce back from? Who's who is the quarterback that you slotted low and you just mentioned the season long pecking order who who are you looking to? And you're like, there's there are better performances in their future.
3: Well, I mean, I I, I think I've I've come to sort of accept who Kellen Mond is, um, and and that's a, oh, a a below the below the Mendoza line quarterback in the SEC probably, or at least not a quarterback that like you really are, are going to lean on to to take the next step. But his the, the the volatility of his game is you know makes for perhaps uh you know a, a a a dot on the graph that's a little higher um than than where it is in week 1 you know there there'll be a couple data points along the way where he's he, he has great weeks and and i think some of that could be dependent on some receivers emerging for him um, right now he doesn't have a lot of experience to throw to and uh, that probably is going to impact Jimbo Fisher's play calling as well. It's certainly impacting the way uh, he's, you know, the, the, the rotation at the receiver position. So I'm, I'm interested in, in what, you know, Kellen Mond does in the future. I'm interested in what Felipe Franks does. I mean, he, he had the, the unfortunate distinction of playing against Georgia and uh, he, he had the worst day um, of anybody, but he also, and I wrote this in the story, he looked better than the guys they had last year. So, I think that that's, that's that's encouraging. And then, like i'm I'm also very anxious to see if Miles Brennan can just settle in. You know it just it just looked a little bit much for him week one, but uh, you gotta think that over the course of the season he'll settle in and 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 they'll there'll be some big weeks for him as well. but I, I i I would suspect honestly that the top five will I don't know, like I, what do you guys think? Do you think someone else will jump into that top five? So the top five being the top five being um, uh,
0: Trask, Costello, Max Jones, Matt Corral, and Bo Nix.
3: Bo Nix. In some order. Not not that specific order, but just in some order, that being the top five. Do you guys think that by the end of the season, when we look at the quarterbacks, that there will be someone else inside that top five? JT Daniels.
2: Do you think so? Yeah, I think that. I mean, I I don't know if Corral's going to be there all season long I think he's sure. going to have ups and downs just because sure. I think that that's kind of the way that offense works I think Bo Nix could have a drop off so I think there is some wiggle room there but I think I think it's I I'm just strongly confident that JT Daniels is going to prove to be one of the better QBs in the SEC this year and I also think that you know you you wrote about it too like the inconsistencies of Jared Guarantano it's like if he could just get it together i think he is the kind of talent that could be a top five player it's just i don't have a ton of confidence there so i would say daniels is probably the safest bet among among the candidates to do it
0: if i was trying to be cheeky i might mention bryce young but first impressions of bryce young say that mac jones is pretty good set in his ways especially just like I mean, he looked good. A number one, like forget that Bryce Young is even on the roster. Forget that there's all this excitement about, um, you know, the the talent that is Bryce Young and the future and the SEC championship and the college football playoff contention that are likely ahead in Bryce Young's career. Mac Jones looks pretty good. The offense runs really, really well with him at the helm. And so, you know, I'm I, I might have thrown thrown that Bryce Young curveball, but at least through one game, I. I I kind of feel like the, even if Bryce Young is playing and, and playing a role in Alabama's national championship contention, unless an injury takes place, I don't think that it's going to be uh, Mac Jones losing the job.
2: Yeah, and I'd like to see Mac Jones get to be able to do more too, because he only threw twenty-four passes in that game against Missouri. The only quarterback to throw a pass in the SEC all last week and threw fewer than Mac Jones' 24 were Juan Mathis. He had 17 attempts. Even even Stetson Bennett, who came in late, threw twenty nine times, whereas Mac Jones only threw twenty four passes. He averaged over ten yards per attempt, completed seventy five percent of them. It's like I, I hope I'd like to see Alabama in a situation where they can let Mac Jones throw more than he had to against Missouri.
0: And I don't want to wish any kind of injury at all. Like, that's not at all. That's not my – that's that's not part of my prediction. It's not the way that I like to go about um, trying to envision the way the season's going to play out, particularly when it comes to sorting out the pecking order. But, man, like, Mississippi State better hope K.J. Costello stays on that field.
3: (laughs) Right? I mean – I don't know. I don't know. Why? You think he I gets the ball that. out fast like, enough that he's just never going to get man. hit? Will Rogers, the, the true freshman that played high school oh. football at, uh, at Gardner Minshew's high school. And one of his only um, offers out of high school at the, the Mississippi state was Washington state. Uh, he is there. He's their backup. And he, he, he was getting all kinds of positive reviews in the preseason. And so I'm not, not like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, the same positive reviews that Dwan Mathis was getting, but I I think there's there's I I wouldn't rule out the idea that K backup is capable of of getting it done as well. So your
0: argument is not that the air raid allows KJ Costello to avoid getting hit because it gets the ball out fast. Your argument is even if KJ Costello misses time, you can just plug him
2: in any
0: backup. Let's go.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's Mike Leach. I mean, look the names the guys he had who had huge monster seasons at Washington State: Anthony Gordon, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew. Obviously, he's proven to be pretty good. He's still playing in the NFL. But like Luke Falk, but
3: we didn't know Gardner Minshew was good before he started. Like Gardner exactly. Minshew was a career average quarterback at exactly. ECU that was about to be the third stringer at Alabama and go into coaching.
2: Yeah, like that's, that's who Gardner Minshew was when he showed up at Washington State. Like honestly, Chip, I think you could show up at you know in Starkville. Put some pads on you, and I feel like Mike Leach could still have you completing at least sixty percent of your passes on one weekend if you give him a couple weeks.
0: Maybe I got like <laughs> I, I I don't have the best pass beyond like seven to ten yards. I got to be honest you don't need with you to. You know, that's
2: the beauty of Mike's offense. <laughs> Crossing routes. Have, Mike has had a lot of weak-armed quarterbacks, and Mike has been openly saying he's like he doesn't care about arm strength. He says if you could throw an accurate football, you're going to work just fine for him.
0: My swing speed Plus, is straight from the uh, senior tour.
3: Now now that everyone's seen what Mike Leach's offense looks like against um, press man coverage, you're going to get nothing but prevent zone defense anyway. Mm-hmm. So you just all you have to do is toss it out to the back
2: and throw the little mesh underneath routes. Couldn't see a lot of quarters, buddy. You just toss <laughs> to the running back in the flat, you'll be fine. The Drew Brees game plan, just toss to Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah,
0: if it's Colin Hill or Alvin Kamara, I'll be good. Go get me those yak yards. Let's do it. A uh, little bit of news from Monday night. Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis, uh, you know, defensive back, superstar for Ohio State. Wyatt Davis, key piece of that offensive line, both seemingly bound for the 2021 NFL draft, not choosing to participate in whatever winter or spring season might or might not happen. All of a sudden, Big Ten's back in and Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis have been cleared, uh, according to head coach Ryan Day. So, Without a doubt, a boost shot, a, a boost for a team that we were already ready to pencil in to national championship contention. But, you know, sort of built into this, I wanted to get the, you know, just just throw it out there. Like, like when are we, we going to really start digging in on the Big Ten? Right. Because the SEC just got started. It feels like we've got a couple weeks under us and we don't have it coming until that October 24th weekend. How do how do we want to roll this out? Like, when do we want to start digging into Big Ten win totals? When are we gonna really start doing that? Because you're gonna need to be ambidextrous in your brain. You're gonna need to be doing <laughs> preseason previews while doing mid season analysis. How, how are we gonna approach these next couple weeks?
2: I, I don't mean, know.
3: we we like it'd be nice to have a Citadel week this year. We don't. And we're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, there, if every weekend's like the one we just saw. It's going to be hard to to steal our attention away. Um, I don't know, Tom. That's your that's your neck of the woods. How well, are you going to How are you going to carve it out?
2: I mean, I'll be there. That's <laughs> I could do it all, baby. I mean, I've always done it that way. I'm able to watch everybody, but it's it's just weird to me. like. It's not so much how am I going to be able to pay attention to it once it starts. It's just oh yeah, that's right. I have to keep remembering because it's like there was a part of me that when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 postponed, you kind of just. Had that mental part, that mental breaker is like, all right, they're not playing this year. So I kind of accepted that and just moved on as approached. All right, so this is what we have to worry about. This is what we have to do. So now, like you're saying, Chip. I've got to kind of dive back into like all that information I had about all these teams that I'd kind of just pushed out because I was like, well, I don't need it anymore. So now I'm diving back in, trying to study up on them as I'm trying to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. And you're It's not, it's not easy, man. But it's like, I will say, you know, I'm happy that Ohio state finally has a talent infusion onto that roster.
3: <laughs> I mean, it is going to be weird. Like when, as we just week after week are like, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, and, Simpson, Notre Dame, Miami, and Alabama, Auburn, LSU, f- Georgia, Florida. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Indiana, Illinois pops up on the mm-hmm. slate. And like, oh, yeah. Purdue's playing Nebraska this weekend or whatever it is. It's like, that's going to just feel a little bit odd.
0: I'm, I'm yeah, ready for, for week,
2: it. Illinois, Indiana.
0: I cannot wait for 1-0 Penn State to jump, like, the 6-2 and team in the top 10 like that's that's what i'm here for i'm but I'm ready for all doing of it that. they
2: haven't even played like the ap poll this week i, I it's like okay well we could put them back in so they're started to, like the voters are just knocking out all these teams that they've been ranking it's like they won and they're still knocking them out for teams that haven't played yet i'm like come on i yeah. love it give it to me i want to feel it Uh, I was looked really good in practice. I'm going to put them at 19. Get (coughs) out of here, Cajuns.
0: So I was, I was starting to lay out our schedule and I was thinking, you know, we're going to have some camp buzz coming up in a little bit. (laughs) I know (laughs) The big 10 is starting camp like this week, right? It's, it's right around now. If it's not this week, it is within the next seven days. The big 10 is officially opening its preseason camp. So we will have camp buzz. And we'll be counting them up with win totals at the same time as we're doing locks and instant reaction. Yep. Get ready. Uh, speaking of the the disjointed calendar, I am willing. I don't know. I can't. I can't guarantee here on September 30th that uh, that I'm going to have the best record of the group, but I can guarantee that I'm going to be all about. Colonial Athletic Association locks when it comes time for the CAA spring season. So the news came out uh, on Wednesday that they will play a six game conference schedule that includes the option for schools to add up to two non-conference games during the 2021 spring season. Uh, It will run from March 6 to April 17th. Each team will receive a bye week within the seven week time frame. I mean, this is going to be. Uh, I, I think it'll be more exciting and more fun, and I will be more uh, entertained by it than XFL, without a doubt. And so, yeah, I'm I'm ready to do some CAA lock March Madness, baby CAA locks.
3: So Colonial uh, Athletic Conference is just pulling it's it's James Madison. It's Albany, Villanova, New Hampshire, Tal- Maine, Elon, Richmond, Delaware, William and Mary, Stony Brook, and Rhode Island. Rhode Island, who was is 0 oh and eight in conference last year, and had three guys at the NFL Combine. Right. <laughs> 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 we have. We have. Should we be Rhode Island a Rhode Island podcast? <laughs> we got. Are we going to all draft a Colonial Athletic Association team? Ah. Uh. I mean, as our as our as our as our rooting interest. If so, you guys, you guys don't have that sort of fandom in you. What kind of hesitation was that?
0: Well, I, I just I'm wondering if Elon is too easy because the phoenix rises from the ashes, and so can <laughs> the CAA as it comes back in the spring. Like I don't I don't want to go totally homer. I would say my backup would be William and Mary. My uh my neighbor pitched for William and Mary a little while back, so maybe I'd be able to get some insight into the football program there. Those would those are probably the two on my scouting board.
2: I'll probably go Richmond just because there's not enough teams named the spiders in sports. So you got to reward them when they exist.
3: Richmond was R- Richmond was a school that I wanted to get an offer from coming out of uh, high school and they, they, they didn't offer me. So, so I've got, I've, I've, so I'm, so to Richmond's rival. now. I want, I want <laughs> the Richmond's rival
0: Towson, maybe another option. If you want to be able to, uh, uh, if you want to be able to get that insight from Mike Loxley, former Towson defensive back, he's—I know he's got all that uh, Tigers pride uh, for for his old squad. So we'll have we'll have several different entry ways so, to it.
2: Martin, your rivalry choices will be either William and Mary, James Madison, or VMI. Those are the in-state schools. Mm-hmm. Is V VMI is? Uh, they're not in the conference. They're though. not in the conference. Yeah. So James Madison or William and Mary. I would love to have VMI. Just a rivalry military school,
0: not not the cadets, but the key debts. Key debts.
3: What's <laughs> up? Yeah,
0: we'll we'll have to scout it. All right, uh, we promised Rusty that we'd get him a a long enough show to be able to uh, fulfill the ten thousand steps. So we we got to bring him on next. Uh, coming up on the other side, Rusty Mansell on what's going on behind the scenes with that Georgia quarterback room, uh, what the game against Auburn is going to look like, and some thoughts on the SEC in general.
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now is our pleasure to welcome back to the
0: podcast a a longtime friend of the show from Dogs247. It is Rusty Mansell. Rusty, this has been for you a... A chaotic season, right? Because you're trying to keep track of, of high school football. You're trying to keep track of, um, both everything that's going on in Georgia, the sec and the southeastern conference, you know, uh, the whole footprint. And then how, ha- how about this? How are you doing right now? As we sit here uh, on Wednesday, looking ahead to uh, week five, week two of the sec play.
4: It's a new appreciation because when you go into the summer and you're not sure you're even gonna have high school football, then you're not sure. You know, there was a week there in August that we didn't think there was gonna be any football. I mean, at any point uh, with that day, with with you know all the news that came down with the the uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten, like what's gonna happen. But I have a new appreciation for for it, and and this SEC schedule, man. I know these coaches hate it. I mean, they absolutely hate it behind the scenes. But for us as fans and and journalists and stuff, man. It's great every week to know that every game's important and there's some big games on tap every week. So what does,
0: I mean, you, you mentioned the coaches hate it. So let's, let's dive in right there. Like what, what, what are the coaches saying about you go from, uh, you know, all of a sudden second week of the season, we're going to have Auburn and Georgia, a game that I guess, correct me if I'm wrong. We were expecting it to be earlier than the November date this year already on the 2020 schedule. But I mean, goodness gracious, second game out of the gate. That is, uh, that's something else to try and get your team mentally and physically prepared for that kind of test.
4: It's almost like when – take, for example, say Georgia plays Presbyterian or you know, Clemson plays Citadel those weeks. Those are, for lack of a better term, those are off weeks. Right. You, know, you get to relax a little bit. You get to worry about your debt. You get to see your younger guys. It's a noon start. You may have 20 prospects there. You're going to get to go home and watch Saturday night football. When you have 10 SEC games, and I think Texas A&M is a prime example, their fan base thought they were about to just beat down uh, Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt plays a hell of a game. That to me, that sets the tone. There are no look at Georgia. Who would have thought Georgia and Arkansas, Texas and Vandy were both seven and five at half? Right. That, that sounds like the Yankees and Braves. You know what I mean? Seven to five at half. Uh, so it tells you every single week in the SEC, you better l- legit buckle it up because everybody's here to play, and it's ten straight weeks. Which I think the coaches uh, they don't have that luxury of that extra week before right, the big rivalry weekend. It's just a totally different scenario. And uh, I'll just say this. I talked to a lot of coaches from around the league. Not a big fan. Fans (laughs) absolutely love this. Nick Saban wants it, though. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He can say what he wants in public, but I can promise you this, that Nick Saban loves that whoever they play. Western Carolina, right? And Western
0: Carolina comes down the catamounts.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just. They can say what they want publicly, but this is a no BS podcast here. So I'm telling you right now, he don't like it. <laughs> I'll answer for him. I guarantee he doesn't like it.
3: Um, well, you, you look, Rusty, here's the you know the thing that I wanted to talk about. You could you could get off the podcast after this question for all I care. This is really all I want to talk to you about. This is the purpose of you getting on here. I want to hear from Rusty Manzel what the hell. The Georgia quarterback room, chronologically, Ooh. has has looked like and felt like when you go back to the Jamie Newman transfer, because there's been a lot of speculation. Sure. Chip and I have made our guesses. You know, we were talking on the on the podcast. We're like, oh, hey, J- Jamie Newman's going to be the next Joe Burrow, and and then it's like, well, J T. Davis is coming in, man. It's going to be a great battle, and then it's like, well, Dwan Mathis. He, he would have beat them all out anyways, and then Dwan Mathis sucks, and then Stetson Bennett comes in, and Stetson Bennett's like, well, Stetson Bennett, may, you know, maybe Stetson Bennett's just Jake Fromm. <laughs> and then and, and now we have JT Daniels maybe going to come out again this week, and, oh, is JT Daniels going to light world on fire, or are we going to find out why Dwan Mathis got hyped because JT Daniels was the guy. Like, I want to know the real story, Rusty, the real story about what the quarterback room has been like at Georgia and and and. and Sort of what our expectations maybe can be for this weekend.
4: I tell you, Barton, they were both married men, but if we were back in the day single men, you want to be the quarterback at Georgia because the hype around you every week is <laughs> great. Because if you have a bad week and you're starting, somehow you're going to get some hype. But listen, I think the Dewan, let's just get to it Dewan Mathis. And and we rode on Dogs 247. Uh, my man Jake Rowe, very connected. That staff, we're, we're very connected, I would say. Um, to the pulse of what's going on there. And I'll tell you this, Jawan Mathis had a really good camp. He had some highs and he had some lows. This kid's athletic now, Mm. but the question is, what would he do on Saturdays? And and what he did Saturday was not good at all. There was not too much there to say. Uh, He had a couple of runs, but, man, he looked uncomfortable. He looked indecisive, kind of locked in on receivers. That goal line throw, the interception wasn't even close. He took a hit out of bounds, and, and you're going to have to learn. And then he kind of comes up short on a scramble. Those are things that maybe shook him a little bit. But at the end of the day, when Stetson Bennett came in, the offense was totally different. This guy was in control, um, second, third options, makes a big scramble for a, a two-point play, extended a couple of plays. It's it's a big question mark, man. And Jamie Newman is going to be something that would probably be answered in the offseason. There's all kind of rumors going around, and myself included, I don't know exactly what happened. I do not know exactly what happened there. But I do know that Jawan Mathis, and I'm very comfortable in saying he has had some really good moments and some really good scrimmages, and he brings a different skill set than anybody else in that room, including JT Daniel. So I know that Georgia is going to give him another chance. How much another chance? I don't know. Because I know this you got a steady Eddie, for lack of a better term, in Stetson Bennett. I think they can run an offense with Stetson Bennett. Sure. a 6'6", 210-pound athlete that you would have to account for every single play is a guy that you just can't push to the side right now because I know this. When you look at the big picture and you look at Alabama, what has beat Alabama? It's been a dual-threat guy. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow was a damn sure dual-threat guy, regardless of whatever you say. But I have saw him play twice in person, and I'm still on the sideline at the SEC championship game. That dude was dual-threat. His legs could hurt you just as much as his arm. So I know that Kirby Smart knows if we're going to slay that dragon, what we need to have, and the guy they have potentially in that room that fits that mold is Dewan Mathis. What has been so the. We,
3: go ahead. Well, I, I just. To, to follow up then, because we, I think, you know, I, I get it. I get why, like, there's, there is optimism and and sort of hype around certain players but the the reality is the reality is which is we, we none of us really know until they play and the lights are on the bullets are flying right. and in a way even though we've seen JT Daniels before at USC yep. in a way the like that that is consistent with 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 JT Daniels like we we don't really know what we're going to get with JT Daniels i assume we're, we're seeing JT Daniels this weekend do you have hunches as to what we can expect there, do you think that this is because freshman year JT Daniels was just okay? Really, I mean it was a tough situation, so it's hard to blame him. Yeah, but he was he was just okay. Yep. Um. But he's talented, and I, I, I'm just curious if if JT Daniels is if there's any clarity into what Georgia thinks they're getting in JT Daniels when he tries out there.
4: I think that you hit that right on the head. There's still some questions on him. The ceiling there is high because we've all seen that arm. We all saw the high school. We got to see him at the Adidas All-American game. We know what potentially he can do. Now, has he done it, put it all together as a total package? No. He's also been hurt. He also been through 11-month rehab. He also had to have his knee cleaned back out a second time, I think, in late April. Uh, Had some soreness in late August. So there's still some things there uh, that are question marks for JT Daniel. Obviously, If you want to say arm, I think he is the arm in that room. Um, Kind of that alpha guy coming out of high school, got a little California swag to him a little bit, walks in with the head bowed back a little bit, tight guy, and that's okay uh, if you back it up. So, you know, there's some intangibles about him that nobody else in that room has as well. So I'm not real sure, again, because Georgia wasn't a 1,000% sure what they had in DeJuan Mathis. Would JT Daniels get in this weekend? I think right now he's just a little bit, Behind, listen. This kid's went through an 11 month rehab, man. He got released on Monday. Doesn't mean he's out dunking and doing windmills. That means he can shoot a layup. Lane a little. I think people kind of underestimate that. Clear. So I think right now to trot J T. Daniel out against Auburn is probably not J T. Daniel's best interest, gotcha. and probably not George's best interest.
0: That, but I, I mean, is it? Doesn't that what every Georgia fan wants to think? Is that he's doing windmills?
4: Oh, yeah, they, they trust me on the board this morning. I got, I got yelled at for basically saying Juwan Mathis got the majority of the rep yesterday in practice, and that didn't go over well. You know? <laughs> so, you know, Juan Mathis is, is listen, um, it, it's just an unknown. We didn't know, and I still think that, that you just don't give up on a kid. It doesn't seem like Georgia really is right now, but I know what they have in Stetson. Bend. They've had Stetson been on that roster now for three years. And Kirby Smart had to bring him back on scholarship. What people don't know, he was silently committed to Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. Mm. Georgia came in at the last second. And for Kirby Smart to get him back, he had to put him on scholarship. And I'll tell you what, Billy Napier's doing a hell of a job evaluating guys right now. As Barton knows, uh, that roster is pretty stacked. So says a lot about him. I think Georgia has a really good grasp on Stetson Bennett and what they can do with him. There's still some guys, quote-unquote, may have a higher ceiling than him. Let's see what Georgia does with with JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis.
0: What about the offense as a whole? Because you know that Todd Monken came in as a, a symbol really more than anything is the, you know, Kirby smart and the Georgia offense was about to take all these steps forward. Then you've got the, the spring practices impacted your off season workouts are impacted. Your preseason camp just sort of turns into this, you know, just dodging protocols and taking tests, doing everything you can. So the install without a doubt has not been anywhere close to what Todd Monken would want. So, how What kind of sense have you gotten from the, either that coaching staff or the players on, you know, whether what we're seeing in 2020 is anywhere close to what has been imagined uh, with Todd Monken coming in?
4: Two things I've said about Georgia the entire offseason consistently. This defense will be the best defense Kirby Smart may have at Georgia. It, it may be the best defense he'll ever get to coach at Georgia. Offensively, man, they lost a ton. I'm talking Isaiah Wilson, if he can stay off Broadway, was a first-round draft pick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Andrew Thomas, who is a starting left tackle for the for the Giants and doing well. you got Solomon Kenley, who's starting for the Dolphins. Oh, by the way, DeAndre Swift, who had a hellacious drop week one, has come back and had two good weeks. I mean, those are huge pieces of the puzzle. And let's not skip Jake Fromm. Whatever you think about Jake, I guarantee you Georgia fans got respect disrespect Jake Fromm sure. right now than they do what they did the last couple of years because he was consistent. He won games and he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, So, you know, they lost a lot of pieces. So I think it's kind of unfair right now to say where this offense is because, you know, no spring practice, limited summer, limited camp, new quarterback, new system right now. Man, they are replacing a ton of key pieces. Now, they got talented guys. This wide receiver room is an upgrade from last year. No question about it. They got some absolute really, really good players as freshmen, but it's going to take time for those guys. You're bringing in a quarterback. I think you're going to judge this offense where they are, Week seven, week eight, week nine, unfortunately, mm-hmm. week two, three, and four is going to be World War Three games, Auburn, right. Tennessee, and Alabama. So you have to find out real quick, and I think Georgia fans have to understand what they lost, man, because they lost guys that are starting in the NFL.
0: What about the what about the bread and butter? Like the the, the ground game, right? Because yeah, you, yeah. you like your running backs and that offensive line has been recruited so well, you know, ever since Kirby Smart got there. And yes, we got Matt Luke coming in for Sam Pittman, but I mean, shouldn't shouldn't I still have a, a high expectation for the way that Georgia can lean back on that ground game as a way to complement a fantastic defense and be able to still compete at a championship level, even as the
4: rest of the offense? Sort of gets its feet under it? Yeah, they've got to this week. They've got to establish a running game the second half. You know, kind of, I couldn't really tell what they were trying to do the first half. They'd throw a couple of series and they would try to run a couple of series. Kind of throw James Cook out there and kind of do a few things. I think Georgia has got to find an identity. I think this week you definitely better identify yourself, uh, create an identity, play in Auburn. Uh, I think they want to run the ball. I thought Zamir White made two runs last week. This is the first time I have seen him since high school not look stiff, not straight-line power. I mean, he made people miss. He had a jump cut in the the goal line area that scored, and I thought, wait a minute. That's kind of the Zamir White we all saw in high school that we all thought was so special uh, before the two ACLs. So I think he's a guy uh, moving forward. I think also Georgia made a change. They took Warren McClendon to right tackle, took out Owen Condon, and when they brought Warren McClendon in, they put Warren Erickson at center and Trey Hill at guard. Okay. They're mixing and matching. You know, they, look, they didn't know what how these kids are going to react, you know. So they're trying to find their identity there. Matt Luke working in some new guys. They've got some talented young offensive linemen. Uh, Sam Pittman did not leave that room empty by any means. But I'll tell you this, they got to find the right pieces to work together. But they have got to establish run. I look for Kenny McIntosh, a guy that I really like out of South Florida. I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be a guy that's going to get more touches this weekend, uh, maybe even more than James Cook.
3: How do you how do you see the matchup with Auburn specifically? What's um, what are some of the key inflection points and and what sort of is going to turn that game? What what are some of the key matchups you're keeping an eye on? Just kind of kind of give me some of your overarching uh, points of interest there.
4: You know, for whatever series, this kind of reminds me of what Florida did to Georgia for a long time for about twenty years. Florida Georgia fans just just couldn't handle it because they could not beat Florida. They couldn't beat Spurrier. I mean, they just couldn't dial in how to win those games and. Listen, you go back – I went back yesterday, um, and you go back 2018 – you go back 2017, SEC Championship, because I was at the Auburn game 2017 there. They absolutely kicked Georgia's rear end up and down the field. Georgia ranked number one in the country, I think. They came in, and Auburn was buckled up and ready to play. Georgia comes back in the 2017 championship, obviously different different setting. Hard to beat a team twice. I know that all those things go into it. You take 2017, 2018, and 2019 – Auburn's had 36 offensive possessions. You know how many touchdowns Auburn's had in those three games? Four. Four touchdowns. 36 possessions and four touchdowns. This is the best team that Auburn's going to face defensively for Georgia. They have faced yet. This team, and I, you, Barton, I steal this word from you because I think this is the best way to describe it. Georgia will absolutely suffocate you on defense. They are big. They're fast. They're long. Seth Williams had a big game against Georgia last year. But you know who didn't? Swartz Schwartz and, and um, Stove had 10 catches for 66 yards in that game. Those other guys shut those guys down. So I think Bo Nix is going to have to have one of his games. I really think Bo Nix is on the cusp of taking that next step. I love the intangibles him. We've known him since high school. Talked to Patrick two weeks ago about one of his players he's got. Actually committed to Georgia right now. Young man Jackson Meeks that, Martin, you're aware of. I just think that. The matchup for Georgia defensively against four new offensive line starters is going to be a problem for Auburn because Georgia is very, very strong up front. Nolan Smith had a tremendous game. Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, Elijah Aziz Ojolori. Georgia is extremely strong there, and they got corners that can run. They got safeties that can run. Auburn is going to have to do something offensively, or Georgia will beat them 16 to 7, and it will seem it'll seem like the last two games where. They just cannot get past the Georgia defense.
3: Um, Chip, did you want to go? Where where were you trying to go here?
0: Well, I mean the so Auburn defensively has some of the best linebackers in the SEC. You know, they 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 have uh, a defense that. Led the way, I, I think, during Bo Nix's freshman year, and as uh, Bo Nix is trying to take these steps steps forward with Chad Morris and and yep. try to get a little bit more consistent, you know, that's that being able to lean on that defense has been good, but. Like, do you see in the trenches on the other side that being almost a wash? Because you mentioned sixteen to seven, right? You mentioned the the rock fight where it's just if yep. if we don't believe that Bo Nix is going to score a touchdown on us, we'll play field position. You know, we'll yeah. punt from the forty five middle of the field. We'll pin you back, and and eventually, you know, we hope that George Pickens is going to be able to bust one. But like. You know, are they going to be able – is Auburn the matchup uh, in this stretch that we got? So uh, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama. Is Auburn a defense where you think that Georgia's offense is going to be able to at least work some things in and have a little bit of success?
4: I hate to have the old coach speak, but it's who can run the ball. I mean, Auburn had 91 yards rushing on Kentucky. You look at the stats in the Kentucky game, Kentucky had the ball 36 minutes compared to 21 time of possession. They outrushed Auburn. They outpassed Auburn. They shut Auburn down, had a couple of turnovers. In the day, Auburn won that game because they got a wide receiver they could not deal with. And kudos to them. And Bo Nix dropped they dimed a dime to stove, too, for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I just think, and that, listen, I talked to an NFL scout yesterday. He made a great point to me. I went back and watched some of the tape. Owen Pepo gets a lot of the headlines, and he's a kid that me and Barton are very familiar with. This guy can absolutely fly. But Zacoby McLean, another kid from Valdosta, Georgia, can absolutely fly as well. They got two linebackers that can go sideline to sideline. So Georgia. Is not going to be able to just, you know, Zamira White left, Zamira White right, and outrun these guys. These guys will get downhill on you in a hurry. But they also lost Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown, who were two NFL freak shows. I mean, those two guys, we we've covered them in high school. Derek Brown specifically. Uh, I, I tell you what, I went to get Derek Brown one time for a junior all-star game. I had to meet his mom and dad to get him a ride to practice. So I will to meet him. I knew this kid was bad. When I saw him six foot four, three hundred and ten pounds, bend and get out of the back of a Ford Taurus, <laughs> I that was, when he got out of the back seat of a Ford Taurus, I said, "This dude is a bad man." And uh, he obviously at Auburn, he was something else. And I just think right now, I mean, I'm trying because I'm I'm always that guy on our site, and they hate me for it. You know, I'm always the guy that predicts the game a lot closer than what it is. But the more I dig into this game, I think Georgia really should like this matchup because where they're got questions, Auburn has questions. Georgia, new defensive – Georgia, it's a new offensive line. Auburn, new defensive line. Mm -hmm. What is is the strength? It's going to be Georgia's defensive line against four new starters at Auburn. So, to me, man, if I'm Georgia, and I'm going to have to pick this game on Friday, right now – I really like this matchup, but they have got to have quarterback play. Auburn is not going to let them run it down their throat. It's not going to happen. That's why I think you could get into one of those games, like you said, Chip. They could absolutely punt the ball all day long and say, Bo Nix and Auburn's going to have to beat us. Dare you to? You know? Yeah. And that's. They did last year. And listen, now they almost did. They came back late right. last year. Came back late. Georgia had a turnover and they almost flipped that thing around. Uh, and 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 that's been kind of the mo about Kirby Smart. Can he put put away teams? The Florida game last year, you go back and think about the Florida game. Georgia pretty much dominated that. At the end of the game, Jake Fromm had to drop a ball to Eli Wolf to keep possession to win that game. So they've got to learn to put teams away like that. Uh, we'll see, but it's all come out to quarterback play for Georgia. I think is how this game's going to go. Because I really, as I dig into this, I really like this matchup for Georgia's defense.
3: I don't know if I don't if if I. I don't know about Dwan Mathis getting all the first-team reps in practice this week because you know what Auburn does really well.
4: Yeah. In the yeah. in
3: the big games, mm-hmm. they get pick sixes and scooping sure. scores yeah. and silly plays that yep. make no sense. And you know, it's it's to this may be one of these. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Not turn the ball over. and I agree. And I'll say this: got to be real clear on this we we kind of confirmed it was on Tuesday practice. It doesn't mean yeah. that on Wednesday practice Stetson Bennett did not get his reps yeah, and yeah. JT Daniel gets half. But as of Tuesday, we know that DeJuan Mathis got the majority of those reps. So we'll, we'll see how things come out this afternoon.
3: All right, so before we get you out of here, Rusty, uh, what look big picture SEC um, as you look around the conference because you you talk to a lot of people, you know a lot of people in the conference, and you've you obviously follow the conference. What what are a, maybe a team or two uh, that you think, you know, m- maybe you're a little bit bullish on or, or 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 a team that you think has a chance from people over the course of the, you know, the 10-game season?
4: I think that two things, and I'm really going to go on the limb here. Alabama is damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's going to shock some people. But when I watched those first couple of series, you know, I, I, I told people this, when I sat in Phillips Arena, in 2017 for the national championship game. When Georgia walked in on media day that morning, I said, yeah, they got some guys, Georgia, they're they're big. You don't realize how big Alabama is until they walk in as a team. And they look like that again. And, you know, they had some pieces, but man, they're so big, so fast. And, and Mac Jones, man, I know he wasn't, everybody had the, everybody had the eyes on the five star, but man, he looks great. They've got receivers. I think that that's all not news to anybody. I think Tennessee's a team that I'm very interested in, and I've said this from the start. Jeremy Pruitt is flipping that roster. It's going to come down to one thing for me, and that's quarterback play. Can Jared Garitomo make those plays against Georgia, Alabama, and Florida? Made a couple throws in there, and they had a hell of a third down conversion the other night with a one-handed catch by their wide receiver. By the way, you know – my guy, but I thought Mike Bubba did a great job. I thought Colin Hill had a great game. His first game, they're, they're under man, man. They had a chance at the end there, South Carolina. But, man, they got a brutal schedule. Uh, I thought the kids at Arkansas played big time for Sam Pittman. Somebody told me this last week, and it really made sense to me. This is Irk Russell at Sam Pittman. I really, truly believe that For from the Georgia perspective. These kids are going to run through a brick wall for Sam Pittman. Um, they may not have the result. Um, they won't the end of the year. They're going to win a game this year, and that team is going to get a lot better as it goes on. They're recruiting really, really good, and I think Sam Pittman's going to do a good job, but, man, you got to look at Mississippi State and go, you better buckle up because they got receivers running everywhere. It's kind of like that scene in Remember the Titans where the guy goes, Coach, it looks like Monday Night Football. They're run all over the field. I don't yeah. know what's going on. That was probably what was going on LSU sideline because they had crossing routes. Uh, K.J. Costello looked great. Mississippi State's that team that. You probably don't want to lock up with right now because there's not a lot of tape. You know, you have to go back and watch those uh, Apple games and all that kind of stuff now, the Apple Cup. But Mike Leach, man, what a, what an introduction to go into Baton Rouge. Well, if I told you all last week that Mississippi State was going to have nine rushing yards, I don't care what happens. They're not winning that game. Right. And they did almost by two touchdowns.
3: New SEC, baby. Bringing the bringing the West to the Southeast. I'll tell you what, the uh, on Tennessee – I think that that team, like they should be scouring the transfer wire, and if they get if they get them a grad transfer quarterback yep. that can play next hey, year, yeah, that that could be that could hey, be a scary deal for the rest of the conference.
4: They came this close to getting JT Daniel, this close, and, and well, he wouldn't be playing right now. Apparently, well, I mean, you know, you know, and and he had you. They almost got him. So it tells you yeah. your you're answering. They know. Right, right. I got you. They need yeah. that guy. Yeah. So they recruited JT Daniels extremely hard and, you know, look, it created a what the hell's going on at Georgia when they brought him in. Can you imagine? Peter Brunt came to Tennessee in June the June 1st, like everybody went, wait a minute, what? What's going on here? So uh, it tells you that that, um, that they're thinking the same thing and it's all about quarterback play for them, man, because I'm telling you, they got speed, they got the right guys. Uh, you know, they're going to get better in some spots, but You know, listen, nobody, nobody knew if Jeremy Pruitt could do it on game day. Nobody knew if Kirby Smart could do it on game day. Sure, Not one person questioned, could Jeremy Jeremy Pruitt recruit? Because he was an alpha recruiter. He knew how to do it. He could coach. And it wasn't going to take him long to get this roster the way it's looking. It's going to come down to Tennessee to quarterback play there. And they come to Athens next weekend. So there's going to be a lot of questions answered for Georgia this week. How are they offensively? But they'll have another tough challenge next week when Jeremy Pruitt and the balls come to town.
0: Do you think that Lane Kiffin is more intimidating or more, or more uh, sideshow? Is he more entertainment or is there a lot of substance to what the Rebels can be right now?
4: I think that Lane Kiffin's a hell of a play caller. I think he is an absolute hell of a play caller. I think he's got some guys out there that's going to cause some issues. They're going to work some things out. Florida's a great football team. I think he said in his press conference one of the top four or five teams in the country maybe, and he's probably right. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin – is that guy off the field? He's who you think he is. He's chill. He's probably flip flop guy, cargo shorts. You know, Corona with extra lime guy on the beach. You know, he's that guy. But when it, when it's when it's Saturday, he's buckled up and he's calling plays. And I'm telling you right now, he keeps getting jobs because of that. Because mm-hmm. people understand this guy is an offensive mind. And he can call plays
0: because they're going to get somebody right. I mean, this is yeah, Yeah. this is this is not a a team that where they're going to be what just counting a couple wins on their hands. Like there's there's one top team that he's going to be able to have it all come together. Elijah Moore just you know tore up that Florida secondary, and you know Matt Corral is showing that he is taking a bunch of steps forward Uh, defensively. A lot, lot, DJ Durkin's got to bring that crew up and get a little bit more consistency. But um, I don't know. Am I misguided in thinking that?
4: No, I think they're – absolutely. You know, I thought Texas A&M might be that team that kind of took that step. I don't know where – you know, look, Vandy, who knows? that Vandy may have circled the wagons. and They're a lot tougher than people think. I'm just not real sure on Texas A&M, but I can tell you this. If they can't get it together, preseason, looking at Mississippi State and Ole Miss, their fans probably chalk those up. as W is probably a little bit nervous right now because that's going to be a different scenario if you cannot score points on those teams.
0: He is Rusty Mansell. You can check him out. All the work. Dog 247. Rusty, a pleasure as always. I heard the sweet whispers of an under from your game analysis. So I think, I, I mean, listen, it's what I live for. I live for those 16 to 7 field position games. I, I, I want old school SEC. Get Mike Leach's uh, air raid out of here. I, I like to see uh, the fist fights and the barroom brawls. So we'll, we'll have to see on the uh, the locks pod when we're making our picks later in the week. But uh uh, but man, this, I, is
4: my, this is my this is my cover three. Uh, I guess uh, admit guilty here. You guys are my walking pod. Okay, so I listen to you if it's forty four minutes or if it's one hundred and three. So I don't need any emergency pods because that just gives me about a lap and then I come. Oh, back. Oh,
2: you need more. So
4: I need is fifty to fifty five minutes to get my damn steps in, and this is my go to pod now. Rusty,
3: you're telling on yourself. You, how old are you? Just uh, your, your workout is just a walk, just a casual walk. Go get on a bike, man. Get a little jogging. Get that sweat. You know, come on
4: now. You can do better than a walk. Let me tell you something. I can go up to this counter right here and pull out a state championship ring that was 50 years ago, <laughs> and I peaked right there. A 6-foot, 190-pound tight end ran a 5'340. I peaked in. So I'm trying to get 10,000 steps right now.
0: Hey. Walk team, I'm right there with you, man. You know I gotta,
4: gotta, got to find out sooner or later. Yeah, Boy, I don't do anything. I, you know, walk You're is better up. than what I do. You will. You'll wake up one day and you'll smell a cook like four bouncers come on you.
0: All
3: right, <laughs>
4: uh, thanks, Russie Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.